0: When it comes to creating a setting that truly reflects the eclectic personalities of its characters, one of the more brazen ones on television last season belonged to Jeffrey Moss's production design on American Horror Story Cult. Jeffrey is here with us today to discuss his work on Crew Call. Tell me about coming aboard an American Horror Story. This is your first season. Mm -hmm. I know you worked with Ryan on on American Crime Story, the first season, right. Scream Queens. But how far in advance are you brought in as far as like when he decides what his theme is going to be? Right. Like how far in advance are you brought in? And and does he know exactly what he wants, like down to the color and down
1: to the, the design of everything? Uh, so... It does vary, and I'm actually in the midst of starting up season eight of Horror Story right now. Um, so last year I was brought in probably 12 weeks ahead of shooting something around there. It's a little bit different because they, uh, they actually in the beginning had me working on Cult and um, American Horror Story Katrina. I, I worked on it for a couple of months before uh, they decided to shut it down. So I was doing a little bit of simultaneously. So where I might not have gotten that much prep, but they wanted me to do a couple of weeks on Katrina and then put that on hold and then do Horror Story. Um, so I, I would say it was about 12 weeks ahead of time. And last year he was pretty specific about what he wanted. I don't get a lot of time with him ahead of time. So you have to glean – I, I focus on keywords, right? So he gives me usually a 5 to 10-minute briefing, right? I don't have a script. Um, and uh, he's very, very specific. And then I spend a week and a half to two weeks taking those 5 or 10 minutes. And then I come up with my concept and I go back to him and I get another 20 to 30-minute meeting. Um, so you, you do have to do a lot of interpretation. You don't get a ton of specifics in 5 or 10 minutes, but he, when you get that second meeting, um, he's very clear on what he likes and what he doesn't like. So, and he has a very strong aesthetic. And he's never, well, I'm not saying never, but he's rarely wishy-washy. So, uh, so that part's great. I mean, I really enjoy that. You, 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 the toughest thing is when you get an answer, well, I'm not really sure about that yet, You know, which I rarely get out of Ryan. You know? So what blew my mind away this
0: season was basically uh, Sarah Paulson and Allison Pill's house. Oh yeah! And how gorgeous it is! <laughs> like I'll never forget. And I was I was I couldn't find it, and I distinctly remembered it in the first. I couldn't find it when I was rewatching the episode. I distinctly remember it when I first saw it. The bookshelves, the bookcase, yes. the bookcase <laughs> uh, their bathroom from the doors to the yeah. windows. To um, even in their bedroom, there's this kind of—I don't know if it's Art Deco, but this kind of block design down to the lamp. There's, yeah. What? Tell me about that. How? Did, and then their bistro. Oh my God, I want to eat there. <laughs> uh, right. And it's like I felt like I know that. It's like it's got a, like a arguably. You correct me if I'm wrong. A French design. How did this come about? They have. They live in—I want to say it was Michigan. Michigan, yeah. They have like, like Manhattan sophistication, ta- you know, sophisticated right. so, tastes. And,
1: and you always have to remember, we're talking about a Ryan Murphy show, so there's a heightened sense, right, of of realism. So, uh, one of the baselines that Ryan gave me for the house in terms of the decor was—he's uh, of course friends with Ellen DeGeneres, and Ellen has a, a book. Of her homes. So he mentioned that, of course, the first thing I do is I go out and I buy that book and I look through and and there's a certain aesthetic that Ellen DeGeneres has in her homes that uh, he really responded to. Now, of course, I have to take the Ellen DeGeneres home and make it look a little more believably middle class, um, which admittedly, a lot of people probably middle class Michigan would look at that and laugh at me when I'm saying that. But um, so you know, the details that you talk about, uh, the bookcase, um, some of the the herringbone patterns that I put into the master bedroom, that was a lot of me trying to create a sense of um, chaos within the calm, and I wanted to do it in such a way that uh, visually you could... Uh, Especially the the director of photography or the director could uh, use those elements to the advantage of the scene, but also have them uh, such a way that they they did fall off when you don't want them to overpower the scene. So that was a very tricky line, and and you know that the the bookcase. So I found a piece of research that had a a slightly wacky bookcase uh, where the shelves were a little canted. Uh, Certainly nothing like that bookcase, and I. Started playing around with it and I took it to that next level and and the bookcase is actually funny because everybody loves that bookcase And uh, I can't tell you how many people asked me for that bookcase um, Or wanted the plans for that bookcase I was going nuts last <laughs> night. I'm like going through the price. Yeah. I
0: know it's here somewhere
1: <laughs> Yeah, But it's, it, what, what it's <laughs> interesting what what's interesting about that bookcase is I used to work for, uh, I used to art direct for a designer um, named Michael Wiley. There, there are Actually, there are two production designers that um, I feel like I got a lot of good influence from. One of them was uh, Scott P. Murphy, who uh, is now doing a lot of stuff for Marvel in New York, who I worked with for a long time. And then I did, art directed a, a show for Michael Wiley, who has done Masters of Sex, and uh, he's doing Legion right now. And um, I actually it didn't work for him on many things uh, because I worked for him as an art director right before I made the leap. But what was impressive to me about Michael Wiley is he didn't seem scared of anything. And so I I, what I really took from him was don't design scared, right? And you never know how something like that bookcase is going to go over, right? And, yeah, I sort of gave Ryan a sketch that had something like that in there. But then, you know, again, I don't get a lot of Ryan's time. So I just went for it. And I kept telling myself, don't design scared. And I knew that the bookcase was going to be a really strong statement that was either going to be a big hit or they were going to have a problem with it. I was going to end up tearing it out. (laughs) Um, But... uh, and, and even some of the other writers, I think, when they first saw it, were, were a little scared of it because it was such a strong visual. Um, but Ryan walked in, and he loved it right away. So all was good. I mean, that st- having
0: a stylish house also, this is so funny because we're, we're used to things in horror of, you know, broken down houses and right. rickety things. Right. It, it really, it did heighten the senses. Like when the clowns get released throughout the house and – the kids hiding under the bed and everything. Right. The whole windows and even though you can't see through the windows, well, well, and all and even, of this work. But even look at
1: the – I spend a lot of time on, on the floor patterns, right? Just, yes. Just the direction of the wood and the floor. And, and uh, knowing that, again, I also had areas where I was like, okay, we got to calm this down. We have that this wall just has to be clean and blank and white so that it's not completely overpowering. And, and I, I certainly, even in some of the decor – uh I think maybe I went a little too far from Ryan's taste we dialed a little back in the decor um but uh I definitely wanted graph uh Ryan really likes uh a, a graphic look in his architecture I do too I respond to that so um I really pushed the patterns uh in this so you wanted to get a house that felt like middle America felt like these ladies were stylish and they made choices um on some level was still relatable for most of America. Uh, and then I wanted to have these elements that, if under the right lighting, and it, they could just really help cause a sort of a distressing mood. I mean, even down to, uh, I don't know if you noticed the front door.
0: Yes, yes. it's—I re- I remember that. Right, right. Yeah, so the, the front weird.
1: door is a very specifically designed front door. Um, you can't go out and buy that. And I really wanted something to... Uh, just look like the world was closing in on them at the very front door. So if you look at the patterns of the windows, they just funnel down into a shape that sort of feels like it's pulling you in. So all of that was very, very specific. Um, and then you'll notice things like the archways have rounded corners. Uh, the, the opening to the stairwell on the second floor has a rounded corner. So when it's daylight, you have some of these softer elements to take the edge off mm-hmm. of the angles so that you can make this home feel really, really warm and inviting, and then when you want to, you can change the mood and make it really scary. And I think the brilliance of the cult episode is put us in an environment that we all know and then scare the hell out of us, right? Um, which is I think, what we were doing. and you know, having it, it, since it was my first crack at American Horror Story, and the guys before me had done such an amazing job, you know, you get in there and you think. I'm going to get to do something amazingly operatic and I'm going to to do something weird that I don't normally, I have to admit, at the beginning I was a little disappointed in the directives that I was given. Um, but that's when I, you know, I really dug in and I found those elements. Like I can really add something in the floor pattern. I can really add something in the, and what's going on in the walls here. I can do these things that sometimes seem subtle and sometimes don't seem subtle at all. You know, um, the restaurant, was uh, a space that was full of angles, right? And I actually showed Ryan two versions. I sketched two versions. I sketched one that was very angular, and I sketched one that was, had softer curves everywhere. Um, and he liked the, the, the angles of it. And I wanted, especially in the restaurant, I wanted to be sure that wherever they put the camera, there were lines either coming at you or going away from you to some sort of vanishing point. So it just it adds an element um, of movement even when you're static that I feel like heightens the tension a little bit. And was it modeled after uh, a real bistro? I mean, it's no. gorgeous.
0: <laughs> Thank Open you. that place. Yeah. I hope that still exists. You know, it was, it was,
1: it was, it was, it was kind of entertaining. It was, um, you know, when we start the show, I have more people drawing, uh, construction drawings for me than I would when the show is normally running over. So I start out with a bigger art department and then as we get into the episodic, we pare down to my core crew. And so I had a few extra uh, designers there and, and one of them was a gentleman who had a, a, a long career as a production designer. And now as, as he's gotten in, into his older years, he doesn't want to necessarily deal with all the, the stuff you have to deal with. So he, he's happy to just come in as somebody's drawing hand, right? And so this was my his first time working on one of my shows. and. He came in, and we were already about – he replaced somebody else who left for another project. So he came in. We were already about halfway through building it. And he came up to me, and he said, man, I love that restaurant. It looks like it was professionally designed. And I, I, I was like, should I take that as an insult? Uh, I am a professional designer, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he always had this sense of surprise in his voice. Um, but he, he – uh, Ryan had given me some some – Basic reference points, you know, uh, and one of the other writers had given me some basic reference points. It's like this restaurant, it's like that restaurant. Um, but again, I took all of those elements and sort of funneled them all together.
0: Now, look, shooting in a supermarket. I, I always hear this I, I, there's this legend that everyone shoots in the same supermarket yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. But there was something about this. Even if this is the same supermarket, mm-hmm. in terms of the the pale yellows, it had a very seventies yeah. feel to it. Yeah, can you can you tell us more about
1: because that's a key scene. She's that's yeah. A, so there's a horror there's, scene. There's probably two or three supermarkets that are filmed a lot, and and that is one of them. And we of course scouted a few. And there's other supermarkets you can shoot in. It just it's how film-friendly are they, right? So this is something where we were filming it enough, we knew we were going to have to shut them down for a while. It's very expensive to shut down a uh, supermarket. They make a lot of money per hour. So you think about that, in order for them to shut down and inconvenience their customers, they have to make more than they would normally make for them to be worth it. So uh, so it is one of the ones that is shot uh, often. We actually, it was the, our, sort of our second choice, and I, I don't remember exactly why we ended up there, I think it was a schedule issue, um, but in the end, I actually it quickly became my first choice because it was the. It, it's about the lighting in that particular supermarket. And you talk about the sort of that overall yellow tone, but it's you can see as soon as you walk into that supermarket, it's just a big box, and again, it's a it's that graphic element that both Ryan and I like so much. It was the repetition of these fluorescent lights and these exposed bulbs that. Just created all of the tension there. Whereas a lot of the more modern supermarkets, they try to dress it up a little bit more for a better customer experience. This, you walk in there, and all those lights are in your face, and those rows are so perfectly even in that restaurant. I mean, somewhere in that supermarket, that uh, it, it's again, it was disconcerting, especially if you're there alone, right? There's not you go into Whole Foods now, or even you go into Ralph's, you know. It's sort of the end caps. It's all very designed now and it's all sort of a welcoming. Uh, this is Stark. You know? It's it's here's the shelves. You know? Oh, there, there may be an end cap but here's the shelves and it's just all lined up which was very good for that scene, right?
0: Now, designing for... You also worked on, on, on Scream, Scream Queens but designing for horror versus anything else, it is it the same rule? Is it... The, the the design is always a reflection of the character, or is there particular things in play to heighten suspense? You were talking about lines going yeah. into infinity, or lines coming in and out at you. Yep. that's a that's a,
1: a suspense. It's more suspense than character. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I think that's definitely an element. I, I and certainly with, if I had to take the two main sets that Allie and Ivy, you know, their home and their restaurant. I would say um, the patterns put into the house were more about suspense and less about character. Um, the look of the restaurant was probably a little bit more about character, if if uh, if I can make that distinction. Um, you know, we s- it's it's. Yes, you want to enhance the character with the scenery that they're in, but uh, there's also a tone of the scene, right? I'm not sure that's specific to horror. I did 911 right after I did Horror Story, and I can think of a couple of sets there where I did the same kind of graphic linear element to add tension to the scene. So um, you know, it's just something as simple as in 911, we had two therapists' office, and the scenes were intercut. So you're, you're in with um, Angela Bassett and her husband's character in a family therapist office and then you're in with Oliver, um, Oliver's character in another therapist office. And the scenes are very different. It's a little bit of dueling, right? And so I sat down with the director there and said, well, listen, we're gonna build both of these sets and, and we have an opportunity to really help tell the story back and forth of this dueling, the differences between these two things. And so we did that. Um, that had really nothing to do with the characters that inhabited those offices. So I'm not sure that horror uh, is any different in that regard. Um,
0: I didn't know if in like in terms of the way you you build a hallway. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, you and hiding in hiding spots. Absolutely. I mean,
1: yes, I will say that it's certainly in Scream Queens, um, and in in Horror Story and in the current season of horror story hallways are a thing you know um, you can you can do a lot just with a simple hallway so whether it's a low ceiling or a narrow hallway there's kind of nothing as brilliantly creepy as a very narrow hallway <laughs> you know
0: can you tell us uh, any anything about next season of, of American horror story as far as like even theme words.
1: <laughs> I, I can tell you what Ryan has told the masses. Okay. Uh, you know, it'll be set a, a bit into the future. Uh, it's not on a spaceship. And um, I guess that's, that's, that's kind of all I'll say. That's great.
0: <laughs> I can't wait for him to tackle, I'd love for him to tackle, uh, like Japanese and South Korean horror. Like something like, do 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 a version of that. He, he had mentioned to me once that He's had nods to that, uh-huh. uh, to those to those filmmakers, but that would be really cool. Like one of those, you know, you're you know, being in in Hong Kong and things are,
1: yeah, 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 and I, the
0: whole psychological of it all.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, what I have learned in my uh, four years working with Ryan is, uh, I don't think there's any thing that he couldn't tackle and do well. So you know. 911 uh, is not necessarily the kind of show that I would go after, and they asked me to do it. I didn't hesitate because I knew it was going to be good, even if it's not a genre that I wasn't really looking for. You know, because I knew that Ryan will find a way to do it that makes it interesting.
0: How did you begin working with him? Did he did he see something particular in one of your early in in one of your early credits that that he responded to? No, I,
1: um, Ryan definitely likes uh, at least my experience of him speak out term but he seems to like the devil he knows um and so uh on uh, the people versus oj actually started out as the art director and i had just before that started uh moving up in production designing some stuff but i hadn't uh, done that quite full time yet and um the line producer is a who was on that chip vucelich is a gentleman that i had worked with in the past and he uh asked me to come on he wanted to get me an interview as a production designer he was worried that my credits at the time weren't enough for for Ryan to really pay attention and and uh another designer that uh was a, is a good friend of mine who had designed for um, Ryan also Shane Valentino they wanted him to do uh OJ and, and he didn't want to do it he would, he had another project he wanted to go to so then they tried to convince him to come on and then let me take it. Long story short, I, I art-directed the first two episodes uh, for Richard Sherman, and then Richard Sherman left. Um, and I brought up the point that Ryan kind of likes the devil he knows because once he gets into a rhythm, um, he if things are going well, he is really good about he would rather promote somebody from within um, than kind of rock the boat too much. So uh, it was seamless, actually, when Richard left – Nobody even hesitated. They just had me take over the show. As a matter of fact, they did something similar with um, Judy Becker when she left Versace to go start Pose. Her art director took over there. Um, so, you know, I did the final eight episodes uh, of OJ, and I didn't have a ton of interaction with Ryan. I certainly would send stuff to him. You know, he's always so busy, sometimes it's just send the stuff and get, get a response. Um, I was actually a little surprised when he called me for Scream Queens because it was so different from OJ, and I thought, yeah, I did a good job on OJ, but Scream Queens is a completely different game. So, I mean, I think that also speaks to he gets a comfort level when when you've proven yourself. So he didn't know who I was before I got bumped up. Um, he was happy with what he was seeing on a repeated basis, and he directed. Uh, one, two, three, I think he directed four episodes of O.J. So he was around there, for instance, more than he'll be on, on Horror Story. And I, I, for those who may
0: not know, mm-hmm. um, what is this, to me, the production designer is, you're the architect.
1: Mm-hmm. What,
0: as art director, how how do
1: the duties differ? Um, it can depend on the show you're on. It can depend on the personalities you're dealing with. Um, and whether that's the designer or the art director the art director is the right hand right and i i art directed for a lot of years um with some very good designers and i don't know that there's any one description that you could pin on both jobs because even in my own career what i've done in both roles has differed depending um, but what i like to think, and this is more of a a feature film mentality than a TV mentality, but i like to carry that, especially if I'm working for Ryan because he has such an eye, um, is the the production designer is ultimately responsible for the creative look, whereas the art director ends up having to manage a little bit more of, also contributes to the creative look. But if the art director is really good at their job, then the production designer doesn't have to worry as much about the budget, doesn't have to worry as much about the schedule because the art director is funneling all those things and making sure they're all on track. And So I have a really excellent art director, uh, Rachel Rob Condrath. so I trust her, and if um, some of the choices I'm making uh, are maybe putting too much pressure on a certain department monetarily or schedule-wise, she'll come to me and let me know that. So it's really just uh, – but, but she also brings great – creative input and i certainly did that as an art director as well um it's it's a huge team effort so the art director has to be a little bit more of the project foreman kind of role um and a little less of the creative and hopefully that gives the opportunity for the production designer to focus solely on creative and then
0: um the the other the other part of american horror story i want to talk about is the warhol episode uh-huh. Uh with the factory mm-hmm. and the Chelsea Hotel. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, tell us about the factory? Did you did you go Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Uh um, building the re- recreating the factory.
1: Right. So, uh we we didn't go to New York and um we did it here and we were uh we had to find a location. We talked about possibly building it, but it's um uh, Frankly, in the scale of what that set is and sort of the episodic schedule grind, we didn't really have enough time to build it. Um, and even if so, it probably would have exceeded our budget. The interesting thing about the factory is if you do the research, which of course we did, um, he Warhol had three different places, if I recall, that he called the factory. Um, and if you look at the timeline, and I went to Ryan and I said, you know, technically, the factory, the iconic factory that we sort of ended up modeling after, that everybody remembers, with the walls all covered in aluminum foil and everything, um, that was not where Andy was at the time that this would have taken place. He was actually in a place closer uh, to uh, Union Square in New York, and it looked like a much more traditional, just sort of empty brownstone apartment. Um, so, you know, First question to Ryan, do you want that iconic look that everybody thinks of with a, you know, because he did mention the foil. I said, do you want me to go with reality here? And, you know, and, and this has happened a couple times with Ryan. Uh, you should definitely go with what was real at the time. Okay. So I start changing my thinking. Um, but then, of course, as we start scouting for places and as we start looking around, what I start realizing is just visually and dynamically the scene is gonna in what i can find location wise it's going to be much more interesting if we fall back on the look that everybody knows and sort of give that accuracy a little bit of a wave to the side you know um which is ultimately what we did so i I show him you know we have the a b and c option um he agreed with me my a option was better and yeah let's make it look more like that it'll it'll work better for the scene um so we found a location downtown an, an old uh an old building that's actually used quite a bit for shooting and something that I'd shot in before, and we, you know, spent a few days really dressing it out.
0: Is there ever any kind of concern, like, oh, I have to go rewatch that Mad Men episode or, or the doors to make sure that what you're doing is completely different from what they're doing? Or no, do you just. There's, work?
1: A, there's a little bit of that concern in the back of your mind. Um, I try to. I try to just put it aside. I, I, you know, even starting uh, American Horror Story, um, I am not somebody who watches a ton of television. Uh, I've seen bits of American Horror Story in the past. I've seen episodes. I have not watched full seasons. I, I think I watched the first season full, full all the way through. Um, so I made a very active choice when I took over the show You know, you sort of, with Scream Queens, I didn't know the show at all. So I looked at the first season because I only did the second season, which we, we built entirely new sets, but I wanted to understand the tone of the show. So I watched that whole first season. And then when Horror Story came up, I knew Horror Story was, it's such an iconic, strong visual show. I actually made an active decision not to go back and look at it because I didn't want to be trying to do my version of somebody else's take. And ultimately, that experience has helped me inform those moments that you describe where we're doing something that maybe another show has done. And I know that we're doing something that maybe another show has done. And part of me feels like, well, if I don't look at what they've done and something ends up similar, that is a true coincidence. Some people may not believe it, um, but it's a true coincidence. And I'm not gonna worry too much. Um, Certainly, if it's something that everybody has seen Ryan and I are, are in the consummation. So we'll talk about that. Let's make sure it doesn't look like that or, or something like that. Um, it's a little bit in the back of my mind, but you know, it, it only gets uncomfortable if somebody decides that you know they're going to say that I copied something, and I'll know the reality because I didn't. You know. Um, it, and that is a weird, uncomfortable moment, just as much as I, I told you before we started this interview that, you know, somebody had previously interviewed me and then just assumed that I had done season four of Horror Story and credited me with Mark Worthington's work. It gets a little weird. But what are you gonna do, you know? The um the other thing is
0: the Chelsea the Chelsea Hotel. Mm-hmm. And also her bedroom. Mm-hmm. Very seventies. Yep. Um very it has this chateau, very reminiscent of the Chateau Mormont. Yep. Um Tell us, tell us about that and building that. I mean, yes, down to the day, the the detail, authentic. But right, what was what was what was at play? The the one thing I, I'm over talking here, but like, in that room that she's in, it's almost like an oval room. Yep. And there are times when there is the mirror behind her. Yep. And there are not that you could see anything reflective, but it was just a very interesting. sense of blocking and then the other time she's on the other side of the room mm-hmm. in front of the painting yeah. talk about the whole scheme of what was going on there
1: so what you may or may not realize is uh and and tell me if you picked up on this um there, there was actually there was more to the challenge of just coming up with the chelsea hotel set so there was the chelsea hotel set there was the similar sort of building that they moved to when they're in san, san francisco. francisco Yeah. Um, and believe it or not those are the same sets that I've reworked and because of actor schedule we had to rework them and then rework them back to what they were (laughs) Um, so we had to repaint, reconfigure uh, the idea was to create a set because of time and schedule and money to create a set that I could uh, design in such a way that would work for the scene and then we could move a couple of walls and a couple of doors repaint and have it be the Chelsea Hotel so uh, her apartment, her San Francisco apartment, actually has that section of the Chelsea Hotel, and it's just bigger, um, and it has another room on it. Um, so the you know, we called it the Bristol Hotel um, in San Francisco. Uh, it wasn't really based on anything thing specific but i found a couple of buildings in Fr- san francisco that i liked the which gives you that old, there was one building in san francisco that has this great tart on, on the end of it and i pitched to ryan that we put that tart in the corner so that when she's you know delivering her monologues to the group she's enshrined in this turret which gives it some graphic architectural element and still doesn't make it look like it's some something that it wouldn't have been you know you see those uh types of building in san francisco all the time um and from that point on, it's we we definitely talked about the mirrors um, and the angles with the mirrors. I also had, ultimately, over the course of that set, I think I had three different directors in that set, right? Um, because it did show up in that episode, but it also... Sh- I'm trying to remember. It's all a blur, because at that time, I was actually working on 9 one I think. Um, it may have only been two directors, but there was definitely... Uh, I think I had Maggie in there and I think I had Rachel in there. Um, so you're trying to, as a production designer, you're trying to pitch, um, especially if you're building a set, you're trying to pitch camera angles to a certain extent. Um, I was taught, I came from theater, so I was taught that if you're going to lay out a set you better direct it in your head first, you better block it all out. So um, I do get very specific ideas of where I think characters should be for certain scenes. I'm not there when they shoot it. I often will play with uh, the dynamics of the blocking, and I will suggest it to a director. And sometimes they take that stuff and run with it. And sometimes they tell me I'm crazy and they have a better idea, um, which is great. But you leave options. I, I, you leave I, I, I'm always thinking about where the camera's going to be and where the... Uh, where the actors are going to be in a particular scene, I'm always thinking about that. And matter of fact, sometimes my staff will ask me, "Well, you know, can we do this with this?" and and I said no because that's where I think the cameraman's going to be, right? So you have to you have to consider all of that stuff, um, and, and at least I I think you do, and and maybe not everybody does it that way, but that set very much geography is a big thing for me. You know, um, I like to design sets in such a way that in concert with the director in such a way that I know even though I'm not there I know how they're going to shoot them because sometimes if you design a set in a certain way the best angles are the best angles um, and they're going to shoot it the way you want it to right I don't always tell the director that
0: (laughs) and um, one of my final questions is about um, TV versus film yeah big boom as we all know with TV uh, lately is there do you find the time to do movies or is it, given, given how TV is just dominating and streaming, which yep. is the same, Yep. Um,
1: is, it, is it just like TV, TV's king? Uh, everybody's priorities are different, right? So I have three kids, um, two twins who just turned 14, and I have a, an 11-year-old who's gonna turn 12 later this year, and um, I, I wanna be with my kids. There's not a lot of movies done in Los Angeles. So if you look at uh, my IMDb, for instance, now, you'll see that the last decade has been largely television. There's been some feature stuff in there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not—it wasn't as much of an active choice. Yes, I think the timing worked out really well for me. Because when I started TV, like the first real TV art directing job I did was, um, was the Riches for FX, actually. In um, Santa Clarita. In Santa Clarita, yes. Yeah. Um and it happened at a time when my my twins were who are now fourteen were uh, two and a half right and my my youngest was newborn um and that was also a time where every movie just seemed to have just fly out of town like everything tax incentives are taking out of town um so I would love to do movies but um there'll be a time and a place for that you know I I, I get that. You know, I did a little bit of work on Miss Peregrine's when they came and did additional photography here. I did a little bit of work on the last Terminator movie um, for designer friends of mine just as an art director. Um, But for me to commit to that right now, I fear it would take me away from my kids, you know. And so that's my priority right now. It would be great to do some movies here in Los Angeles. Um, It would be great. The tax incentives have helped some TV shows come back but not a lot of movies, you know, and the movies that are being done here are, are, um, are tend to be smaller movies. Um, so I, TV is king in terms of content, though. I, and I often say to friends of mine, um, tell me five movies in the past decade that just you walked out of that movie theater, like, you couldn't stop thinking about it, and it changed your attitude about it or something, or just got your brain going like, and you want to see it again, give me five movies, right? Uh, people are gonna have to think about that to come up with five. I think for the past, in the past decade. Now, when I was a kid and I was, you know, watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. and all that, I could have rattled off five like that, right? Then I say, give me 15 television shows in the past five years and that that will not take them time at all they will rattle it off oh there's this there's this there's this so yes in terms of content tv i think tv is king i think what's coming out i I mean no uh you know if you're an avengers fan you're an avengers fan but uh that's the big movie i mean marvel avengers i mean that's that's what movies are right now right nobody's coming out of uh uh, an Avengers movie thinking like, wow, that changed my life. That inspired me to do this, you know? But they are seeing TV programs where you're developing characters over a period of, you know, 20 episodes, 10 episodes, whatever it is, where I do think that the, the fact that you have that medium, for me what happens is, uh, you know, the age-old story, you read a book and then you see a movie and you're disappointed in the movie. Well, of course you are because there's, there's a few reasons. One, we only have 120 minutes in the movie. You know, um, and as uh, the layman might not know, but when we write a script, basically a page is a minute. So we have to, we have to try to stick to that formula. So you get a five, 600-page book with small type and translate that to a script, that's gonna be a 800-page script. I mean, you're not gonna want an 800-minute movie. So there's a lot of sacrifices that are made. When you're developing a TV show and you, you have episodes and you have characters, it's more like writing chapters in a book, right? So now you're not constrained as much. You can really develop that story over time. I think that's a huge difference. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, what do I want to do? I want to stay in Los Angeles and be with my kids. Uh, I want to work on stuff that I want to watch, stuff that, you know— and there's a there's a heck of a lot more television right now that I want to watch than movies. So, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to drag me to the movie theaters right now. Not because I don't want to see a movie, just because I don't I don't see a ton of stuff that's inspiring. I think the best writers are in television right now, you know. Um, but you know, if uh, Ridley Scott or Steven Spielberg calls and they want me to do the next sci-fi, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Jeffrey Massa on crew call.